Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. Um, it is so good to be here. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys. Um, and you are like family to us. Um, we have so many fond memories. And I do want to say right off the top, thank you so much for being partners in the gospel with us. I know I say that every time, but every time we come, we feel the same way. And we are so thankful for you guys, um, for your prayers and um, for finances and for just support and friendship and all of that. Um, we're just so thankful um, for, for all of that that you guys um, provide. And, and we do feel um, very much that we are partners together in, in this uh, in this battle <laughs> that we're in. I just want to share just real briefly about the summer um, before we get into the word, but um, and it's going to tie in uh, as well, uh, some of the stories and things. But um, obviously it was a challenging year in, in a lot of respects, but the Lord gave us um, the go-ahead that we would move forward. And there's not very many Bible camps across this country that did this summer, but the Lord gave us that go-ahead. And um, it was it was actually one of the best summers that we've ever had with camp. It was so intense. Um, just every week was just so intense. And, and kids were hungry for, for a touch. Um, even when they didn't know what it was that they needed, God was moving in a powerful way. And um, we had about, you know, two-thirds of the usual campers that we had because we cut some weeks of camp um, just waiting to see kind of what... Our state was going to say what we can do and can't do, and finally they didn't really say anything as far as camps, and so we just forged ahead. And um, this summer, 82 kids gave their lives to Christ at camp, and it was so awesome to see um, see them putting their faith and trust in Christ. And um, there was nearly 70 of them that rededicated their lives to Christ and many, many other decisions. And they, they do an evaluation at the end of each week. And they kind of mark, you know, what God did in their life. And they get, put some comments down and, and, and things. And 80% of the kids had some significant spiritual experience while at camp in their own words this summer. 80%. It was just awesome. And uh, it was just awesome how God was moving in the staff, too. We had one of the, the closest staffs that we've ever had. Um, I, I can't say it was the best staff that we ever had. I don't know. It's hard to gauge those things, but it was an amazing staff. And God gave them so much um, bravery <laughs> to come and serve. God gave them courage. Um, God gave them so much, to, uh, and, and they grew so much together. It was just an amazing time to see them grow. And we always say that, that camp is not just about the campers. Camp is about the staff, too, because God is raising up warriors for Christ, and we're, we're a part of teaching them together as we are continuing to learn how to be a warrior. We're teaching them how to be warriors for Christ, and that's a huge part of what we do um, in the ministry of, of camp. It's not about fun and games. It's not about just having, you know, coming together and having this, this nice little time and learning a couple of verses. It's really about turning our lives over to Christ and learning how God wants to use us and how he wants to prepare us for the next thing that we have. And so that's really a big part of what we do at camp is, is raising up leaders, raising up warriors, and training them. And I feel like we're getting better at that with each passing year and understanding more. That is really a part of what we're doing as well. And so it was, it was just an intense summer. It was an awesome summer. 
And um, I just want to share a couple, couple stories, a couple war stories um, from this summer. Um, one, uh, it was, uh, you know, like about 1130 at night, and I thought I was going to get to go to bed early. You know, this was like up at the house. You know, it had been an awesome day. Lots of kids had come to Christ in the service, and, um, you know, we're kind of riding high. And um, I get the call. Well, actually, Paula gets the call on the walkie-talkie, like, Jay, they need you in the cabin. <laughs> okay. So I'm, like, thinking somebody got hurt, you know, someone's sick, you know, I don't know. So I come down there, and a counselor meets me outside. And instantly, I'm like, okay, this is something serious. And he starts to share, you know, about these kids seeing, a, you know, a manifestation of a spirit in their cabin, you know, like, okay. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Well, I guess I'm not surprised, you know, because this was the day that, 23 kids gave their lives to Christ or whatever it was, 20-some kids. And, and so I walk into a cabin of scared boys, including counselors. I mean really scared boys. And um, instantly we, they, they just started, I said, you need to pray and you need to praise. And so they're walking around the cabin singing and praying. And I go to each bunk and pray over each boy. And we're talking about, you know, um, many of them had given their lives to Christ that very night. And just praying over them and giving them reassurance and, and, and just together as we begin to battle, you know, the enemy. And um, literally in our face. And, um, and so we're, I, I wasn't seeing, you know, what the boys are seeing, but the boys are obviously seeing something. And I, I, just by talking to them, for some of them, this wasn't a new experience. They had dealt with the enemy and darkness. And, and the Lord is calling them out of that in that, you know, in that very night. And, and so we're... we're we're battling together in, in, in praise and prayer. And a counselor in the middle of the room, he says, I literally felt someone try to pull the Bible out of my hand. And he was in the middle of a room and nobody was around him. This isn't normal stuff that happens at camp, okay? You know, this, this is something that's, that's crazy. But we're living in crazy times. And, and you know what? The enemy doesn't want to hide anymore. The enemy is, is out there. If you want to see and recognize him, he's out there and doing his stuff. And it's not hidden anymore in the shadows. He literally is out there doing his thing. And so what's really cool about all of that, after about an hour and a half of prayer and praise, and finally it was just like, I'm just sick of this. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, you are out. And that was it. That was the end. And peace came over the cabin. And the boys went to sleep. And they went to sleep every other night the rest of the week. And later I find out in the next cabin, uh, a counselor had woken up during all the commotion that was happening in, this, the, in the middle cabin. And he, he said, I just started to pray. And he said, and then I looked out the window. And he, he says that he saw angels in the hillside. Because we were praying for angel armies to come. And to minister in that moment. And they did. Now that's a war story. <laughs> it's a true story. It's crazy. It's hard to believe sometimes. But we live in a world that is spiritual. We live in a world that, that things are happening that we cannot see and cannot understand sometimes. That are going on in, in the background. But I feel like we're, and I, and I share that story to say that we're, we're in a spiritual war. I feel like we're in a shift spiritually in our, in our nation, um, in our world, where the enemy has ramped things up. <laughs> and 
And it's not being hidden anymore. It's out in the open, and, it, and, it's, and it's ramping up, and it, and it is a spiritual war, literally, that's happening. One more quick story. One of those boys that gave his heart to the Lord that night, he said when, that, when he did that, it was a Tuesday night, he said the rest of the week that he was hearing laughing in his head everywhere he went. And he was a boy that's in the social service system. I'm sure he's seen a lot of tough things in his life and um, had a tough life. And um, he was saying, I'm, I'm hearing laughing everywhere I go, especially in the chapel, laughing in my head, just laughing when I opened his Bible. And, um, and it was Thursday night. We're in the chapel. We sit down and we, we begin to pray and talk. And I said, um, I'm not going to use his name, but I, but I said, Billy, you know, it's not his name, but I said, Billy, you need to declare that you are Jesus's now. And that the enemy is not going to have any power over you anymore. Out of your mouth, you need to declare this. And, and that you need to declare that you're going to follow him the rest of your life and that the enemy will not be able to touch you. And the next, or I mean, that night and into the next day, the last, you know, couple days, nothing. Nothing. The enemy is at work, and we need to be prepared and how, how to deal with the enemy because it's not being hidden anymore. When we look around our nation, our nation's going crazy. <laughs> our world is going crazy. It's going mad. But it's because it's a war. It's a spiritual war. There's always been a spiritual war. But maybe we're not always reminded of it like we should be. We're not always aware of what's going on like we should be. But it is a spiritual war that's happening. But the thing of it all is, and we sang the song, the first song, Kathy, the victory is in the Lord. <laughs> the battle has been won. We, we are on the winning side. We're just playing out all the little skirmishes in between, but we're on the winning side. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But we are in this spiritual shift, and we need to understand who we fight and how he is coming against us in order for us to be prepared. And um, we're going to be in Ephesians 6.10, but all over other places. So if you want to turn to Ephesians 6.10, that's going to be like uh, the main area today. We're going to start there. We're going to come back there. It tells us right here in Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sounds like a war to me. Church, you're at war. You are. Each individual believer here and church together, you are at war. And it's always been that way. But we need to be more aware now of, of all the things that are going on. We're at war. It's, it's not against person against person. and it's, it's, it's an enemy that's coming against us. He uses lots of different things. You know, it does say in, in John 10.10 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is what he wants to do. Sounds like a great, a great uh, battle plan for him, right? 
steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. Um, it says that, that uh, to be alert and of sober mind in First Peter, because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He, uh, he is a, a liar. In John 8.44, it says, You belong to your father, um, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Revelations 12 says he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that wants to point his finger and whisper in your ear and tell you that you're no good, that you, that you are not forgiven. He wants to tell you that, that you're a wicked sinner and that there's no hope for you. He wants to tell you that you're not affected because you, you have sin or have sinned or whatever. This is the enemy that we fight against because he is a liar. He is one that, that wants to tempt us. I mean, just, I just, there's so many different things. I'm just going to run, I'm not going to read the verses, but I'm going to tell you the reference. He tempts us with evil, 1 Thessalonians 3. He inspires wicked thoughts uh, in our mind. He opposes God's work by just bringing hindrances of all kinds. In 1 Thessalonians, it tells us that. He brings division in churches and, and between families and between people. Uh, Mark 3, he accuses you. Zechariah 3.1, he intimidates you. First Peter 5, we talked about that, like a roaring lion. He wants to intimidate you. He seduces you. Second Corinthians 11.3, he diverts from truth. Second Corinthians 4, he wants to bring compromise in your life. Matthew 6.24, he brings doubt. Genesis 3.1, all the way back in the beginning, brings doubt about who God is and what he wants for us. He separates us in the darkness, Isaiah 50.10. He assaults us with unfound criticism, Job 4, 7, and 8. This is the enemy. This is the forces that are coming against us at all times. And we need to be aware. We need to be ready because we are at war. He uses our own sin natures against us and our own sin natures. That's a whole sermon in, in, in itself, our, our own sin nature. And death, he uses a world system that's set up against God. Everywhere we look around, we see things that are just set up totally against God's nature. How things operate, how things run, how things are. We're at war. One of the ways how you can know, and here's some, some ways how you can know you're under attack right now. If you have random thoughts that are just against God's word, you know, just against truth. Spiritual attack. If you feel overwhelming overwhelmingly discouraged spiritual attack or could be a spiritual attack. If you're struggling when your relationships, significant relationships, your spouse or kids, um, it could be a spiritual attack. If you're waking up in the night, not being able to sleep and, and worried or waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning, that is a spiritual attack. How many of you have woken up at 3 a.m. in the morning and had some weird experience? That is the enemy at work. If you're having overwhelming feelings of fear and doubt and struggling with praying and reading God's word, spiritual attack. The enemy is coming against you. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. Because his, his time his time's coming to an end, though. Isn't that good to know? It tells us in you know, Revelations 19 and 20 that he is going to be thrown 
into the lake of fire. He is not going to endure um, the way that we are going to endure eternity. He is going to be in eternal <laughs> hell, lake of fire. Um, that's his destiny. And so his time is going to come to an end. But until that time, we fight. As believers, as a church, we fight. Because it is a spiritual war. We have to fight. Um, We fight for our own souls. We fight for our family souls. We fight for our community's souls, the world's souls. That's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for souls. We're not fighting for power or, you know, for territory or we're fighting for souls. This is all about souls that live forever in worship and and, and in the presence of God or in eternal damnation. That that's the that's the options. So literally, this is, this is all about souls. The whole thing is all about souls. It's always been about souls from the very beginning. And sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get caught up in all the things in our lives, and we forget what it's all really about. It's all really about you being there forever, and everyone that you know that you can help see that they need to be there forever. That's really what it's all about. That's really what anything matters. Nothing else really matters other than that. It tells us in Matthew um, 24:35. there's two things that actually will translate from this world to eternity. The first thing is, it says, Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. God's word will not pass away. It will translate into eternity. Isn't it awesome to know that we have his word that translates into eternity? So it's something that can be counted on. It's something that we can place our hope in, our trust in, and we can know answers. We can know directions because his word translates to the very end into eternity and on. And the next is souls. It says Matthew 10 20, it says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when it really comes down to it, the only thing that matters is that souls are there in eternity. That your soul is there in eternity and that as many people that you can help be right with God and be there in eternity as well. That's what matters. That's what the war is about. That's what it's been about from the very beginning. And we forget sometimes. We forget who we're fighting. We forget why we're fighting. We forget it. And we need to be reminded that that's what it's all about. I love one of my favorite passages of scripture is 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, you can turn there if you want. This is, this is too good to not turn there. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, we'll come back to Ephesians 6. But 2 Corinthians 5, verse 
verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And all this is from God who reconciled to us to himself through Christ. So he gave us the opportunity to be right with him. And then it says, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we have had the great privilege of being able to be right with God. And the great privilege that he gives us, the the charge or the ministry, is to help others be right with God. Sounds easy, right? Be right with God and help others be right with God. Really, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how much money you've made. It doesn't matter how successful you are in, in your business or in sports or in, in popularity or in any of it. The only thing that matters is that your soul is there in eternity and that others are there with you. That is all. That's what the whole battle is about. And that's what the enemy is trying to do every moment is to get people to not follow Jesus. To get you to not be effective in helping others follow Jesus. That's what he's doing all of the time. All of the time. And it's always game on for him. He's not taking time off. He's not taking a vacation And so the battle is for souls. It's why we fight. That's why we have church. That's why we are Christians. That's why we would believe in this God that loves us and wants all to not perish, but to have eternal life. The good thing is he doesn't leave us defenseless. The Lord gives us weapons to fight with. And... um, in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 10, it's 3 to 6, he gives us um, spiritual weapons. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight, sounds like battle, right, doesn't it? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So we have weapons that are not like the weapons of the world, that are not like the weapons of the enemy, weapons that demolish spiritual strongholds. It says in in 2 Corinthians 6, 7, it says, In truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness... In the right hand and the left. Weapons of righteousness. It says that, that um, in, in Romans 12 that we can overcome evil with good. It says do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Weapons of righteousness. Um, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The word of their testimony, the blood of the lamb, you know, no one can take away what God has done in your life. No one can take that away from you. They can beat you. They can torture you. They can kill your body, but they cannot take away what God has done in your life. 
you know, we are living in, in rough days. You know, we have COVID and all this stuff. And, stuff. And, and I get frustrated with it just like everyone else does. Um, but you know what? What was happening in Acts in the early church? Christians were being killed. That's not happening yet. So we have it pretty good, actually. We just have the government telling us, you know, oh, yeah, contact trace this and contact trace that and social distance this and social distance that. I'd like to put some social distance up somebody's nose a couple days here and there. But the battle has always been there. We don't really have it that rough, but you know what? It could get rough. And so we need to be ready. We need to be aware. We need to understand what we're fighting for. We need to understand how to fight. Because the battle could get worse. And I don't say that to, to scare people, you know, but, you know, persecution could come. And like I said, they were killing Christians during the early church day. That's not happening right now. Not here, not in the United States, maybe in other parts of the country. I mean, other parts of the world is what I mean. It is happening. There is people being martyred for their faith. But it's not happening here. So you don't really have it that bad yet. But you know, it could get that bad. Somebody, I don't know. But if it does, nothing really changes. The gospel still needs to move forward. Whether there's COVID or whether Christians are being killed or whether Christians are being persecuted, the gospel still needs to move forward. We don't curl up in a hole and, and just, you know, stay there. We move forward. The church is not supposed to shrink back no matter what's going on. No matter whether there's COVID or whether there's Christians being killed, the church is not to shrink back. It tells us that in Hebrews. We move forward because it's a battle and because we're fighting for souls. And there's nothing more important than that. Nothing. So getting back to our weapons, we're going to go back to Ephesians 6. Finally, it took us a long time to get around all over and come back. But now we're back. Ephesians chapter 6. It tells us about what, you know, what's going on, the authorities and the principalities, the spiritual forces that are aligning against us. And then it says, therefore, I know this is incredibly corny and cheesy, and you've probably heard it a million times, but whenever there's a therefore in scripture, it's something that should make you really look hard and see why it's therefore. So anyway, it's therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, that's it, it has come. <laughs> you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the belt of truth. You know, it, one of the things that, frustrates me more than anything is when I cannot determine in, in like somebody's telling stories or something is being written and said is determining the truth. When I can't find the truth, that, that frustrates me. And you know what? We have a God that has invented truth. (laughs) All truth is from him really. And so we need to live our lives with truth, like a belt. You know, in this 
you know, description of the spiritual armor. They're talking about basically uh, the Romans' um, weapons they had at the time and, and, and equipment. And so the belt basically held everything together, kind of held the breastplate together with the, you know, the sheath and like different things. So it, it was important because it, it kind of held everything together. Truth holds everything together. And we have truth in God. He is the truth. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. All truth lies in him. And when we know Jesus, we can know truth. Not just spiritual truth, but just truth. When we don't know Jesus, honestly, we can't even really know truth. Because he is the truth. And so truth... Live your lives with truth every day. <laughs> These are things we should wake up in the morning and start going through the armor. You know, God, what, what is truth in my life? What isn't truth? If it's not true, get rid of it. And if the enemy's trying to speak to you and confuse you, you can ask God for truth. What is true? What is true? goes on to say here um, the breastplate of righteousness in place that you are in an active pursuit of being right with God at all times yes we all have a sin nature and we struggle and there's sin that we're battling against in our own lives but when we have righteousness in place when we are actively right with God it is protection against the enemy because he wants to come against us at all times. And so having that in place is so important. Taking stock of where you're at with God daily is so important. You know, he, he, Jesus becomes righteousness for us. You know, it tells us that in scripture. That's, that's how we can come to God is because he becomes righteousness for us. We can never truly be in our, in our sinful natures, never truly be. 100% holy until we reach heaven. But he wants us to be in active pursuit of being right with him at all times. And when we are, that is a protection for us. It goes on to say, our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, they had, they had sandals back there in the Roman days that actually had like studs and they're actually almost a weapon in themselves, but they would be able to let them stand firm in a position where they couldn't be shaken or knocked off. And they were ready to go, whether it was to climb up a hill or, you know, down into some hard terrain. They were ready to take it wherever they needed to go. Their, their feet were fitted with readiness. We need to be ready, um, ready to take peace, the gospel of peace. Wherever it needs to go. You know, we need to be ready to go today if he calls. You know, if the Lord were to say, I want you to drop it all and go and serve me across the ocean somewhere. We need to be ready to do it. Or whether it's across the, the lot to our neighbor. Or to our coworker, Or to our friend. We need to be ready to take the gospel of peace wherever it needs to go um, and, and, and then do it. <laughs> In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It tells us that in Hebrews. We need to have faith 
that he has it all under control, no matter how bad it gets, that it's going to be okay. And that we can trust him. You know, there's roughly 2,500 prophecies in scripture, roughly. And 2,000 of them have already come true. So we kind of have a God that we can trust, right? Yeah. God that we can have faith in. God that we know he's going to do what he's going to, that what he said he's going to do, he's going to do it. Yeah. So we need to take up that shield of faith because it will protect us as well from the enemy's darts, fiery arrows. Take the helmet of salvation. We need to know that we know that we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior. The, the helmet is one of the most important pieces that protects us. You know, protects pretty vital part of our bodies, except for my body. Um, my head's probably, no, just a joke, bad joke, but uh, I have a hard head in more ways than one sometimes. My brother said I used to run like 100 miles an hour at the kitchen table and hit my head on the edge of the table and fall back again and get up like nothing happened. There's nothing there. It's just, I don't know. So, helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit. Ah, finally some offensive weapons. Swords. Sword of the spirit. God's word cuts through us. To the deepest parts of us, it tells us in, in Hebrews. Dividing joints and and like just right in and in his word it says will not return void when it goes out it will not return void because his word is true his word is eternal his word is the final authority and i don't care what somebody says about it it doesn't mean that it isn't (laughs) because people have tried to destroy the book But they can't because his word is way beyond a book. You know, in in all this protesting and all this kind of stuff that's been happening in Portland, they literally started to burn Bibles. This is a spiritual war. We're in a battle. And it doesn't matter how many books they burn that say Bible on it. They can never, never Destroy his word. Because it's way beyond a book. So we have that book. Or his word. It's contained in a book for us. His word is beyond that. But we have it. And it, it cuts through to any place that it needs to go. There's nothing that can stop his word. Because it's, it's truth. It's like a laser. <laughs> Lasers are pretty amazing to me. I wish that I could actually have a lightsaber, but I can't. They haven't invented those yet. But lasers are amazing because they are so focused and so powerful that it just cuts right in so so deep. It's just amazing. That's what God's word is like. That is a weapon. God's word is a weapon because it's truth. Okay, and it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, 
Usually they don't include prayer in the spiritual armor. I don't know why. But I think it is. Because it's right there. Prayer is like a nuclear rocket (laughs) that you (laughs) send out and it can go anywhere in the world. On your knees, you can send that out anywhere in the world to a God that's hearing you and listening to you. You can ask for God to move in someone's life on the other side of the globe. And it goes like... Prayer is so powerful. And we, as a church, and I'm saying church universal, we as as a church have lost the art of prayer. And we need to get back to prayer. We need to desperately pray together on our knees. Because God will move when we pray. When we ask God to do his work, don't you think he's happy to do it? Oh, yeah. We need to pray. Prayer is a weapon. And it says on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Keep on praying for all the saints. This is, this is what we need to fight. We need this armor every day. We need to be reminded to put it on. We need to be reminded to use it because this is how we're going to survive as believers. This is how we're going to thrive. This is how we're going to be um, successful. This is how God is going to use us when we have our armor on and we're ready to roll. Because without it, we're a sitting duck to the enemy. He is going to render us ineffective. He may get us to do things that we never thought we would do. And, and to go places that we never thought we were going to go and stay longer than we ever thought we were going to stay. But with our armor on, we have protection. With our armor on, we have the ability to do the things he's calling us to do. The ability to fight, the ability to stand, the ability to, to um, fend off his attacks, and the ability to go out and to do the things he's calling us to do for his glory, not for ours. Thank you, Lord, that he has given us <laughs> the weapons. So, the enemy's time is going to end. <laughs> and our time is going to come. I just, I love this passage. I just ran across it this summer and it just struck me. And I'm going to, this is the last passage we're going to talk about as we close. It's in Revelations 19. And this one's probably worth going to if you got your Bible. 1911 to 16. This is after, you know, the tribulation. It's after all of the different, you know, trumpets and seals and all of that stuff, which is hard to keep straight sometimes. But know this. He said he was coming again. Jesus said that? He is. We can bank on that. It says right here, I saw heaven standing open, 
And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. The armies of heaven. You know what? That's not talking about angels. That's the church. We're going to ride out of heaven following him. It's all going to be set straight again. See, this is what we're fighting for. This is, this is at the end. He, it says here, the armies of heaven following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword, and with which to strike down the nations, he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe... And on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is not an endorsement to get a tattoo, by the way. (laughs) King of Kings, Lord of Lords, riding out of heaven, coming again. And we, the church, are going to ride out of heaven with him. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And it goes on to say how um, the devil's going to be you know, captured and thrown into the lake of fire. And then we reign with him for a thousand years here together on earth. And after that, and you, you, you got to go there. This is so amazing. You got to go back here to Revelation sometime this week. Because it's worth noting why we do this. Why do we follow God? It's because we win. It's because we live with him forever. And he sets it all right again. And we want as many souls as possible to be there with us. Because it goes on to describe the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. Which is just beyond our imagination and I know we started to, I started to coin the phrase this summer, but new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, camp forever. Because the greatest thing that I've ever known on this earth as far as fellowship with believers is camp. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, camp forever. That's why we follow God. That we would all be there and as many people as we can get there with us. That's what it's all about. That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. Nothing. And until then, we fight. We keep on fighting because it's worth it. And it's all going to be right again someday. We might not see it. We might not see, um, see, the, see the, the, the rapture and the, the Lord... Uh, you know, all the different things that are going to happen in the tribulation. We might not see that, or we might. I don't know. But we are going to see the end. We are going to ride out of heaven behind him 
as it's all set straight again. Now that's amazing. And I hope that encouraged you to be reminded of why we fight. And that it is a spiritual battle. And that it's all going to be set straight again. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. God, I thank you for every single person here. Lord, I pray that you would call them to go deep with you, Lord God. That you would call them to fight. Um, Lord, that you would call them to, to do what matters, Lord. And whatever, whatever uh, industry or whatever job or school or whatever they're doing, Lord God, that you would use them in those places, Lord God, to speak truth. Lord, to, to help others know you and become right with you, Lord. I pray for this church, Lord God, that this church would be about souls because really that's all that matters, Lord God, that this church would be filled with people that are right with you, God, and that are seeking to help others be right with you, Lord God. I pray that they would learn how to put on their armor every day, Lord, the spiritual armor that you've given us, Lord God, the weapons of righteousness in our right hand and our left, Lord God. I pray that you would give them the the strength to fight in the times of, of evil that that are here, Lord God. And I pray that this church would be effective, Lord God, and that they would not forget why they fight. They would not forget the, the battle and the enemy that comes against them, Lord God, but they would be aware and prepared, Lord, and that they would stand. So we thank you for this time, Lord God, this morning. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for what you have done, Lord God, and I pray that you would bless this body of believers and this community in an amazing and powerful way. I want to pray these things in your name. Amen.